we now return to the second-to-last round of the first annual Equity Spelling Bee. Before the break, Sanjana Srinivasan from Cleveland, Ohio, correctly spelled sesquipedalian, which means given to using long words. Now, Jason Landis from Fresno, California, stands at the mic. Jason, your word is log. L-O-G-G. Judges? We'll accept that. Now, please use it in a sentence. Clog. Perfect. Jason Landis moving on to the next round. But first, questionable material with Jack and Brian. You're listening to Questionable Material, a mostly improvised podcast produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. Discount surgery. Oh, hi. I was wondering, um, you know, before I, I send my, my wife off to surgery, uh, with you guys, I just wanted to make sure that you guys are sort of up to code because, like, I love a discount. Yeah, maybe more than anything, but I just, you know, I just need to make sure you guys are up to snuff. Up to snuff, sure. Yeah, wash our hands. Uh, we've got soap. We wow. use uh, towels to dry them off. Um, and I'll I'll be honest, I even use a, a paper towel just to get out of the bathroom door because I'm worried about germs on the on the handle. Wow. So I mean, we do have we do have those protocols in effect. Uh, we don't okay. eat, we don't eat in the operating theater anymore. Um, um you know, okay. There was an issue with an everything bagel. Those things shed. Mm-hmm. And you can't operate and eat an everything bagel at the same time. I can tell you that that much right now. Now, you know, does having toasted garlic and onion and sesame seeds inside your body kill you? Yeah. But, you know, can you prove <laughs> that it came from a certain source? No, it's hard. It's hard to prove it. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, you could have been, you could have tripped onto an everything bagel walking down the street and somehow those got into your bloodstream. Suffice I, to say, we, you know we what? don't, sense. yeah, we, we don't do everything bagels and we don't, we don't eat in the operating theater is what I'm saying. So you don't, okay, that, no, that's great. Yeah. Banish those worries from your mind. Well, I actually wanted to, you, you that's twice now that you've said uh, the uh, operating theater and I just sort of wanted to touch on that. Um, do you mean the operating room? We call it the operating theater uh, because mm-hmm. uh, it is actually uh, in a black box theater in New York City. Uh, okay. And you are being operated on, it's an improvisational comedy theater. We call it dual purpose. Uh, oh, dual purpose being a comedy and an operation? Yes. So, you know, okay. that way we've got 99 seats in there. Uh, so yep. you, it's literally a theater. Uh, and we mm-hmm. have a stage and we have mm-hmm. a variety of performers. Some are very good, some are not, but you know, we have one of each and, um, and you're going to, you're going to really, you know, you're going to have a good show and you're going to have a good operation. Now do the comedy performers who are generally, um, you know, uh, in their mid twenties, um, looking to break into the world of entertainment, they don't perform the surgery, do they? No, no. They work around the table. 
So they've okay. got scenes going on. What they'll be doing is asking the audience for something. Hell, oh, give me the name of something I'm bringing back to the department store, that kind of stuff. And so they're, right. they're doing a scene, they're building it around you as you're lying in the table. Now, of course, all the scenes incorporate you being operated on. So whether oh, you, okay. you know, if it's set in an airport or in a, uh, you know, ideally it's set in a hospital because it makes a lot more sense to have you there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, they work it out. They, they're good performers, some of them. Right. Well, I mean, I, I do, you know, I, I have been sort of wondering, I mean, this is, you know, um, it's a, it's a double hysterectomy, um, that's being performed. And I, I would love to sort of have something to do during my downtime for that surgery. Mm-hmm. So we knock her out. Dial goes right up to 17. Great. She's unconscious. You're sitting there. We can get you good seats. If you're paying for an operation, you, you get good seats. And, and you can watch your wife uh, get a double hysterectomy and you can wi- watch people be double hysterical. Oh See my I did? gosh, that's amazing. That imp- I improvised boy, that. I, yeah, you improvised that. You're, boy, you guys are really talented. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I, it's funny because I'm looking now uh, on my Yelp and I see that um, you guys have a 4.8 review for, um, for, for entertainment. Yes. And a 1.1 review um, uh, rating for um, uh, health. Is, yeah, was that from Eugene O? Yeah, Eugene O okay. from um, uh, Manhasset, yes. Yeah, well, that's the father of the Everything Bagel dude. Yeah, I guess he would, but, oh, but this is sweet. He did say that the show was very funny. Yeah, you lost a son, but you had some laughs. And I think at the end right. of the day, yeah, exactly. that's what matters. What well, seems like a net neutral at that point. Yeah. Oh boy. And so I, I'm, I'm worried a little bit about sterilization. Like I know you're, you're washing your hands, but a New York city black box theater um, with a, a crowd of 99 people bringing their own contagions in with them. That doesn't seem uh, particularly sanitary. Well, we ask everyone to expectorate into a trash can inside the lobby before they go into the main theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's mm-hmm. hand sanitizer there at every, uh, it's free to use. We ask people, to sign, there's a little, we have a little sign that says, please sanitize your hands. Sure. You know, I don't necessarily believe that this, uh, that these germs are transmitted through, through touching or surface contact. Well, well, okay. I mean, what, well, what, how do you believe they're passed? Invisible Jews. <laughs> so you. You believe that there's a series of invisible Jewish people um, sort of infecting your theater and they find germs and they immediately sort of throw it into the open bodies on stage. That is my belief. Well, I mean, if, if it's your religion, then, then I, you know, I may find it despicable, but there's nothing I can really say to combat that. Well, then that's what it is. I feel like you sort of leapt to that like it was a life raft. I feel like if it's made available to me, I'm going to take advantage of it. Hmm. Can you just tell me about your, um, your medical team before I sign my wife up for surgery? Yes. Uh, there's Barboul. Okay. The anesthesiologist. Yeah. I've, I've heard of him. And there's Glimmer. <laughs> She's the nurse, kind of a, a doctor's assistant. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I get what a nurse is. That's not not something I need information on. And Glimmer, I'll tell you, you know, she's, she's uh, quite the... Uh, Eye candy, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. She's, you're saying she's very attractive. Yeah, she strips at the VIP club on Thursdays. <laughs> so she's, 
She's a nurse. She like she always says, I just want people to feel good, whether it's, um, you know, me and pasties or me, um, you know, helping do the hysterectomy. What'd you say it was? A hysterectomy? Hysterectomy, yeah. Yeah, we're doing that. Um, and, you know, a quick Google and I know what I'm doing. Trust me. Don't worry about that. Oh, did I mention I'm the doctor? <laughs> you did not. That's, you're the you're the only doctor on the staff. Well, yeah. Uh, where did you get your degree? Uh, U of G. Oh, uh, University of Georgia. Do they have a good medical school? It's a University of Google. Same place that Jenny McCarthy got her degree. Okay. So when you perform surgery, you just Google it beforehand, sort of like you would uh, like a recipe to make scalloped potatoes. Yeah, exactly. So you said you got a, his, his hysterectomy, yeah, double you, hysterectomy. Yeah, double hit, two hysterectomies. So I, what I, I Google two hysterectomies uh, and there'll be a YouTube video or something I can watch to kind of get the, get the gist of what's going on there. And then, you know, you power up the tools, you tell Barbu uh, to, to dial up the anesthesia thing. And yeah, you know, you're, you're in and you're out. Yeah. I do really want to save that $150. Um, you get 10% oh, off of taking an Uber. Do you have anything available on Thursday? So Brian, what's new in your life? How you doing? Jack, I'm doing great. Okay. My wife's in the cafe business. She's making yep. the coffees and selling and I'm looking at the markup and I'm going, man, that's great. That's fantastic. You just sent your son to Poland by himself. Yeah, he went to Poland by himself on a plane. That was, a you know, that's a little nerve wracking. He's 14 though. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, just getting, you know, because my, I guess my concern is him losing his passport yep. or any other documentation. So, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not allowed to go past the TSA checkpoint. So I had to kind of watch him make his way. And I was like, you know, just, I went, you know, I explained what's going to happen. Who's going to check your passport when you can put your passport away and he's got two passports yep. he has an eu passport too so when you get That's to right. europe you use the eu passport so i had to explain all these things but uh, he did it he made it got to wow, poland and, and he just turned 14 and he took an international flight to poland alone yeah when my when my oldest son was 10 he flew to uh, seattle by himself yeah, I guess that sort of is an equally strange and foreign country. Um, okay, well, uh, I mean, that's pretty crazy. So, and and how how exactly did you fit the drugs inside your son? Well, um, you know, that that's a funny thing. Uh, you know, kids these days, they have all their electronics. Mm -hmm. And so I, I got him a Nintendo Switch. Yep. And the the extra big iPad, the iPad Max or whatever the hell they call it. Sure. Um, a, a variety of gaming platforms. And what I do, I take them apart, I hollow them out and I fill them with drugs. Mm -hmm. uh, so the upside is I can smuggle through my 14 year old, a, a ton of drugs in the, in these various gaming yep. appliances. The downside is he spent nine hours on a plane, just steering at the back of the seat. Yeah. With no, nothing to no entertainment for the boy, no entertainment for the boy. Because he flew, he flew lot Polish airlines. Mm -hmm. which is, it was a government owned airline. They, they never really learned how to really properly operate an airline. They're not really good at customer service. And so uh, they, they finally got the TV screens in the back of the seat. Uh, but there's just one show and it's on an, an, a repeating loop. Oh, what's the show? It's called, it's, um, Pierogi Man. 
it's a it's a it's an old Polish folk story about a a, a man who's made out of pierogies who terrifies children, and they just they have episode seven and they just keep a loop, that's on a loop. So there's mm-hmm. no you don't even know the backstory. You just keep and so he he just stared at that, said he had that's a terrible tough, friend. Man. Yeah. But I oh was able to smuggle a, a large quantity of, of drugs into Poland. And that's, at the end of the day, what you want. At the end of the day, that's what we're all after. What, um, so how do you prepare a 14-year-old to, to travel alone? Like, you know, how, how do you teach him to navigate the airport, um, you know, interact with strangers, that sort of thing? You know, sort of walk us through for other parents who might be thinking about doing this themselves. Well, I mean, obviously you, you want to protect him. You want to look out for him. So what I did is I hired a, a cast of, of individuals to assist me. Um, okay. So there's Saucy Sally. And so I had her approach him and, and basically try to seduce the passport away from him. So, you know, she sat next to him and started talking and says, you're a very handsome young man. And what, you know, what does your passport photo look like? Is it, is, is it as handsome as you are in real life? Would you show me your pass? It's like a test. I'm testing my right. son. And so she just keeps trying to lure him and she's using all these different techniques, the honeypot techniques and, uh, or mm-hmm. honey trap or whatever they call it. And, uh, and, sure. you know, trying to lure his passport uh, out of him and, and he, God bless him. He, he didn't do it. He didn't get, he, at some point he got up, he went into the bathroom and I guess he wept, he cried, he was confused. Uh, and so that he succeeded with that one. And, and then, um, I mean, to have a fully grown, um, uh, highly sexualized woman, you know, a um, um, hit on him must've been quite a confusing moment. For it, it was very, he didn't know what to do and, and he was scared. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I had serious Steve and serious Steve mm-hmm. approached him and, and said, uh, uh, you know, excuse me, uh, your father died. And, and, <laughs> my, and my son said, I'm sorry. He's like, your father died. Come with me. And so, right. yeah. And so, you know, he, he kept saying, and my son was like, no, no, that's not true. That's not true. And, and I don't know. My son doesn't have a phone. He might be the mm-hmm. only 14 year old who doesn't have a phone. And so he had right. no way of verifying whether or not I had in fact passed away. And Sirius Steve was really aggressively insisting that uh, my son come with him. And at some point my son excused himself and, and went into the bathroom and wept like a, like a, for, for several minutes out of confusion uh-huh. and sadness. And, um, and I could hear him crying about his dad and stuff. It was very sweet because I had planted a microphone in his bag. I wanted to hear his reactions. I'm monitoring him. I'm right. training him. I'm I'm teaching him. I'm a father. I want him to do yeah. the right things. Um, Absolutely. And then uh, there was uh, mysterious Mustafa. I had him. Are these all garbage pail kids? <laughs> these are these are the people I hired from from a local uh, acting crew. And mysterious okay. Okay. Mustafa I'm- approached him and, and said. Uh, would you do me a favor and take this uh, small box onto the plane? And, yeah. and, and would, uh, and at uh, three forty-seven, would you make sure it's next to the side of the plane? Like make sure it's not under the seat. It has to be really right next to the side, preferably near a window. Okay. And uh, he, he, you know, t- tried to get my son to take it. My son was, he was like, Oh, I, I don't know if I should. I, maybe, maybe somebody else would blah, blah, blah. And then at some point he excused himself and he went into the bathroom <laughs> and, and burst into tears and you could hear the confusion and then the fear. Uh, and, and so, you know, this is how you teach a kid to travel by himself. Yes. 
so and, and what and what how did he finally handle um the mysterious mustafa uh, uh conundrum uh well he took the box uh but i wasn't mad because it was filled with drugs <laughs> So, <laughs> so you were able to get another, you know, what pound of, of, of heroin into the country? Yeah. I mean, it was $120,000. I mean, come on. So I'm very yeah. proud. I told him I would take him for, uh, pierogi, uh, when he got back and he said, I don't ever want to see pierogi again. He's scared of pierogi now. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I know he is. I bet. Oh my gosh. Nine hours of episode seven of pierogi man <laughs> and 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 what sort of um what sort of advice did you give him or or, or you know ha, about entering a foreign country because that's that's an unusual thing for a child to do alone is to enter a foreign country like how did that go and what did you tell him to do well i said you know when you get there um you're going to have to uh, answer some questions you know, i said first of all you take your eu passport not your american passport your eu passport and you go up to the passport control and you hand it to mm -hmm. them and you're going to have okay. to answer their questions. I said, and probably the, you know, they're going to ask you to verify your name and then they're going to scrutinize the passport and they're going to ask you why in the passport you're black. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> and, and what about the um, last question? What about the drugs that you had sewn into his sternum? Uh, well, there's uh, actually in the next few minutes, he's going to be met by surgical stew. <laughs> hey, Brian. Hi. Uh, Hi. No, match my energy. Let's match the energy. All right. Hi, Brian. Hi, Jack. Yeah, uh, better. So um, I, I know you've got the fever. COVID. Uh, probably based on your lifestyle, but no, I was thinking about Olympic fever. Oh, I do have Olympic fever. Yes. I uh, now, Yeah. Of course the Olympics just ended a oh, couple no. days ago. No, I know. Oh, I know. Sugar. I know. So you should probably have that fever looked at at this point because okay. it's, yeah. I mean the, the, the Olympics are over. It's probably Lyme disease to be honest. Now that is definitely true. How many times have you had Lyme? Three. Good Lord. And um, ehrlichiosis once. I don't know. What, what is that? It's another tick-borne disease. And they did a spinal tap to test for it. Oh, my God. Unpleasant. Oh, that is terrible. Yep. No, no one deserves it more. But so the thing I wanted to talk about the Olympics is um, the uh, the ratings for the Olympics. Yes. Were absolutely atrocious. Oh, no. Um, the, the worst ratings in NBC history for the Olympics. Um, and they lost 50%, uh, for technically 49, but half of their audience. Basically, just since the 2016 games, they've lost half of their audience. Wow. I mean, the Olympics absolutely tanked. Hmm. And, and there was a quote um, that said, here's the problem. The left is ashamed of what America represents and the right is ashamed of the athlete's divisive portrayal of the country. So that's that's one expert sort of his opinion about Who's, what expert is that? It's um, it's an outkick media columnist named Bobby Burak. I don't know outkick or Bobby. OK. Yeah. Um, but so, so that sort of is the general feeling is that, um, a, a massive, just, just disinterest, like no one, no one is sort of cheering for the athletes. There were mm -hmm. no good stories. There's all, all this stuff. The people are not interested in the Olympics. So I thought to myself, now, Brian is an event planner and he's the perfect guy to be able to fix the Olympics and come, have the Olympics contact you do already. Uh, they have, they just, they shot me a text message last night. 
mm-hmm. I guess it's, it's after the closing ceremonies, mm-hmm. um, they were a little bit buzzed. You could tell from the, from the writing, but they said, we need to talk. Okay. Gosh. So, so you're already on this. I'm, you're I've been working. Thinking. Yeah. I was up till the wee hours working on this. Oh my gosh. That's well, it's amazing. I mean, you know, it's less time, right? Because the, the summer Olympics for 2020 were held in 2021. So you don't yeah. have much time I don't. to fix this. Yeah. We need to get stuff going super fast. So, um, you said there are going to be some changes in the way that NBC is going to cover it to yeah. make, um, to make things a little bit more exciting, a little bit more accessible, maybe a little bit more pop culture friendly. What are some of the changes that are going to happen with the Olympics to make things more exciting? Well, I mean, uh, to make them more exciting, you have to insist that the, uh, the athletes uh, stay and play the sports. That's one thing. Uh, uh-huh. can't, you can't do like, oh, I need a, a me day. That's not a thing anymore. Right, I right, get right. some quality time with myself. I'm going to go curl up with a good book. Like, yep. Shouldn't you be on the pommel horse? No, you know what? I, I want to read a book. Wanna, you know what? That, that makes sense. I mean, maybe where the, you know, maybe the biggest star or one of the biggest stars in the Olympics just stays and competes in, in the games. Yeah. I mean, that would, that would be cool. I think I, that, that seems like it, I did a focus group and, and uh, oh. everybody, uh, well, not everybody, but 98% of respondents said they, they do prefer when the athletes remain uh, on the floor and actually participate in the games, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which was, uh, which was news to many people. I mean, we had always thought, you could kind of just, you know, take off if you felt like it. Yeah, of course. You know, I, I don't know if you remember back in the, the, um, the 1996 Atlanta Olympics mm-hmm. um, and the, the water polo team, just they all, one day they just, they all woke up and they're like, you know what? I'm tired of chlorine. I don't like it. It's bad for my skin. Oh, and so they, they, they went to, remember that. Yeah. And they went off to Stone Mountain, Georgia and, and just, you know, toured the mountain. That's tough. And so, so, and NBC was left just doing a, what, like a Cosby show rerun? No, they put a camera on the water and then they had uh, someone describe what should have been happening. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, well, good for NBC for being able to pivot, but okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. That's, that's a good first rule. The athletes who prepared four years for this or, and their whole lives, but yeah. certainly in four year increments for this moment should have the moment. Yeah. It's always nice when they, they get to that. Cause you know, you have a limited window as an athlete. I knew that as an athlete, I had a, I had a limited window for me to, to perform. And then yep. after that, it's all downhill, which is why I'm kicking myself for starting in my late thirties. Yeah. Gosh. You know, I just, I wanted to lift weights. I wanted to wrestle. I wanted to throw shot put. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I waited till it was too long. And at that point, you know, it, they, they told me like, Brian, you're done. I'm like, okay, fine. Then I'm just going to go join the army. <laughs> How'd that go? They did. They won't take you in your, in oh, your late thirties, early forties. They say, no, they told me that it's extremely hard to convince a guy in his late thirties, early forties to storm a beach uh, that's heavily defended. You really mm-hmm. need like an 18 year old for that. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. Much more malleable, much more willing to uh, run onto uh, Utah beach and, and not as aware of how, dead you will get if, uh, you know, you are hit by the enemy return fire. Right. Cause you're, I mean, you're already so much closer to death. It's something that you you've had to sort of think about in your late thirties. Yes. I thought about it a lot more and I don't like it. Yeah, no, I don't either. No, it's not uh, it's not a super, that's why I'm thrilled that I'm never going to die. Yeah. But what, what other ways can sort of, um, can NBC cover it to make it a little bit more appealing, maybe to millennials, to, to that younger demographic that, uh, that, you know, 
is going to hopefully build an Olympic audience. Well, I think part of the problem was, you know, there, it, it became like a very partisan Olympics. Yeah. So you had, you know, had people who, you know, wanted to turn away from the flag and make all sorts of ugly faces uh, to, to, in an international event, Yep. you know, because they've never had a chance. They've never left the United States before. They have no idea what other countries are like. And they mm -hmm. just, they just assume theirs is the worst and they want to tell everybody on the international stage. And then on the other side, you have people who are like, yeah, I kind of like this place. And I wish you would kind of, you know, do your thing and win us some medals without mm -hmm. all the performative stuff. So, so what I think we have is we have two channels. Oh, you have the America hating Olympics. Okay. And you have the America loving Olympics. Okay. A long time ago, there was a, a, they had an annual thing called Battle of the Network Stars. Yeah, of course. So I would uh, raise that, bring that back, but bring it into the Olympics. So imagine, you know, you have a weightlifting competition and there's Sean Penn. <laughs> uh, or, or synchronized swimming. Mm-hmm. And you have a famous, a famous, you know, Pam Anderson. Mm. She's still mm -hmm. famous? Yeah, for sure. So she can swim. Yeah. Well, she's Sp buoyant. Yeah. She's buoyant. And you can, and you just kind of, you'd kind of drop them into these environments. So they're not necessarily trained in any of these yeah. things, but you know who they are. They're familiar faces. You've never seen Tom Hanks do the biathlon. True. You know, uh, and, and so you, you will draw people and people will, they will want to see what happens when uh, Lena Dunham has to run a, a 400 meter relay. They will tune in for that. It's a two hour event. Yeah. And you're, and you're bringing everybody, you're going to bring in the people who are cheering for her and rooting for her and the people who are not cheering for her and rooting for her. And plus the team of scientists and medical professionals who are going to want to see just what happens and how that body reacts yeah. to, to, to movement. She could wind up in a bunch of different papers and stuff and you know, medical yeah. journals and, and yeah. So uh, that is one thing. That, you know, that's a great idea. Boy, I mean, NBC is wise to, to hire you. This is great. Thank you. So what other ways can we sort of spruce it up, get as some flash, you know, like at baseball games, like they have fireworks after the game to, yep. to be like, hey, it's fireworks night. And, you know, families come out and watch fireworks and stuff, plus a baseball game. What, what are the sort of things like that? Well, you have pit bulls. Huh? Pit bulls in any of the track events. Uh-huh. And, you know, it, you, it's all about motivation. If you're being chased True. by a pit bull, you don't have a chance to, to really, you know, sit there and think about politics or, you know, how you want to put on some kind of display that really yeah. doesn't belong at the Olympics. You're just concerned with running like you've never run before. You'll see records yep. broken and the audience will be engaged because they're going to see a pit bull chasing someone during the relay. And, you know, are they going to, is, is the dog going to go after the person who takes the baton or the person who handed the baton over? And Good you're going to watch the person hand over a baton, but still run like hell. <laughs> the person who's handed off the baton may lap the person who's currently holding the baton. Yeah, it depends how scared he is of dogs. Wow. Man. And, and you know, and, you know, for the, that like Norwegian team that always finishes eighth, like you know, with all their sort of like pretty white people, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to see those people just get get mauled. Yeah. I mean, I do. The sub-Saharans do have a better chance at surviving. Yep. The, the relay for sure. Yeah. This survival element is really interesting. You know, it's, it's all about bringing viewers back into, into celebrating the spectacle, getting away from the politics. Yep. 
Um, and also, you know, not to mention, I would say there'd be a, a gentleman with a baton and you're up there on the podium. And if it looks like you're about to do anything uh, performative, yep. you just get a, you get a baton in the gut. Okay. You know, if I, it, I, see, I'd watch that. I would watch that too. And, you know, and you'd watch, and that's nonpartisan. And people would watch that from all sides. They want to see if their person can get away with frowning uh, mm -hmm. during the national anthem or if they're going to get a belly full of stick. Yep. But you've said you've, you've come up with a way to make the closing ceremonies possibly more interesting than the games themselves. What, what is your big idea for the closing ceremony? Well, for the closing ceremony, that's the biggest thing that that's where all the ratings are going to come in. Oh, we, great. Yeah. Because what we figured out was you have these athletes they have had their, their cardboard beds that only yes. hold one person. That's right. Uh, they've pr been prevented from engaging in any kind of relationship with anyone. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they're, you know, these guys are pumped up. They, they've been the adrenaline, uh, you know, the ones who won are just super thrilled. Uh, the ones who've lost or need an outlet, they're depressed. Yeah. So you're going to have all the countries march in, into the stadium. Mm -hmm. to the music and they are all assemble and then they're going to wheel out the body of Rick Ocasek from the cars. And what they have done <laughs> is placed a, an air horn <laughs> inside his body that is remotely. <laughs> is that not a, you've never heard this before. No, I haven't heard it before. I, that's why I'm, I'm just so shocked. I, okay. It's a remotely activated ear horn and they're going to stand him up <laughs> and his mouth is going to open and then you're going to hear the ear horn. <laughs> and at that moment, you okay? <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm just, I'm not over Rick Ocasek passing. So I'm, you, yeah. what you're hearing is crying. Go yeah, ahead. It's sad. Uh, and at that moment, the head of the International Olympic Committee <laughs> is going to stand up from his podium, get on the microphone and just say, do it. <laughs> and they're all going to rip off their clothes and engage in the, what? the largest international uh, orgy <laughs> that's ever been televised. So here you have this international tangle of naked bodies all mm -hmm. over the world. It's the biggest mm -hmm. global event of this type. Yeah. And you'll have judges and the judges are going to walk through and you'll see them holding up cards, 10 here, uh -huh. six, five over here, mm -hmm. three, if she's just not that into it. And they're sure. going to just, you know, they're going to be get, getting grids and you will get medals. Wow. Yeah. And hump, hump medals. Yeah. You'll get, there's, there's all sorts of different medals. And at the end, everybody will stand on their podiums. And they will place the medals exactly where you expect them to place the medals. <laughs> and, and they'll play the national anthems of the most uh, prodigious uh, uh, participants in this wow. grand, grand orgasmic event. Wow. That's, it's, it's, it's beautiful. I hope so. I mean, it, it, it's going to be the unleashing of, of a couple of weeks of just pent up energy and lust and adrenaline, uh, happiness, anger, unhappiness, you name it. I think it's going to be the most spectacular ratings you'll ever see in Olympics history. Yep. I agree. Not to mention 
uh, nine months later, so many international babies, so many questions. It's like, you look like you might be kind of Norwegian and from Senegal. <laughs> yeah. Isn't this at the heart of what the Olympics is about? It's about bringing c- countries together. Yes. I mean, literally. Yeah. Yeah. In any way you can. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, kudos to you, Brian. You're doing great work. And um, let me know if you need any help. I got it. No, I mean, if you need any help with the like staging of the last day or anything. That's good. I think I got it. No, but 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 if you need help, like I or maybe I could just tag along. Even if you don't need help, I can just like it'd be cool to spend some time together. I wouldn't want to drag you all the way to to the Olympics and have you. You know, I appreciate it, but thank you. No, but uh, maybe I, I want to come. So just take me. Thank you for your offer. Okay, so I'll book, I'll call, I'll get on Priceline. I'm going to note the sentiment and I will, um, I'll get back to you. Okay. I'll, I'll check back with you next segment. You may. Thank you. Jack. Yes, Brian. So I have a friend named Brad. Yeah. Yes. He's a director, Jack. He, yeah, I know. he thinks you are one of the most talented actors. You're just undiscovered. And he has been trying so hard to give you your big break. Yes. And, and, I, and Brad I, is a real dude. He's a real film director. He's a very tall film director. And, okay, yeah, and he, uh, he sent me some scripts. He wants you to audition for these movies he's working on. He thinks you'd be right for these roles. He, he really wants you to succeed. And as you know, you just have to you know, his audition criteria is that you, you read something cold, meaning unseen mm-hmm. and, and you just stay in character. And, um, and, and th- this will prove my, my acting chops to him. Yeah, exactly. That, that to him will confirm in his mind that you are one of the greatest actors of all time. Well, which we already know I am. So that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's do, let's do this. I want to get these roles and I want to quit this podcast. Well, you could do both. No, I won't have time. Oh, that's a bummer. Um, okay, well, Jack, this is called uh, Andrew, A Governor's Story. Now, it's okay. a biopic that tells the true mm-hmm. story about New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, or former New yep. York Governor, and it's written by the New York Governor Andrew Cuomo and executive produced by Penguin Publishing, New York Taxpayers, and CNN host Chris Cuomo. <laughs> And so they've all put money behind this. Part. We've all put money. All of us have put money behind this. Oh, you too. Okay. Uh, and, and he, re- well, we're taxpayers and uh, he, he really thinks you'd be right for the role of Andrew Cuomo. So this wow. is, yeah, he really, he sees a lot of similarities in you guys. Um, you, oh. you love the ladies, that kind of stuff. So he, um, he wants yeah. to uh, have you read for this and uh, I've got the script. If you're ready, I'm ready. Uh, you- yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm not sure I feel about playing this guy, but you know what? I want to be a movie star. So heck with it. It's a story that needs to be told, Jack. Uh, and you yeah, know what? Absolutely. Okay. But- <clears throat> I got a tickle in my throat. Would you mind reading uh, the setup? Uh, sure. Thank um, you. Interior governor's office, midnight. Governor Andrew Cuomo is working tirelessly to help the citizens of the great state of New York. He takes off his reading glasses, which he doesn't need because his eyes are perfect, but he wears them in a show of solidarity with people who have bad eyesight. He looks very sad because he has tremendous empathy. His assistant, Vicky, walks in. She's very, very attractive, but the government considers her a friend only. Nothing more. It's late, Governor. You look so very tired and so very sad. 
Yes, I am tired. But that's the price you pay for working tirelessly on behalf of the residents of the great state of New York. And I'm also very, very sad that this terrible virus that Donald Trump unleashed is killing so many residents of the great state of New York. It's not your fault, Governor. You're doing everything you can to stop it. Your daily press conferences are just what we need. It's the highlight of everyone's day. Yes, I I wanted to give everyone hope. That's the least I can do for the residents of the great state of New York. And dare I say, it makes you look very presidential. (laughs) You flatter me. But even though this country would benefit greatly if I were to be president, I'm staying right here in the great state of New York. You're so selfless and you look so tense. Here, let me work some of that stress out of your upper back. Should I read the... Yeah, my throat's tickling. Okay. Uh, Vicky moves behind the governor and massages his shoulders with her sexy hands. Governor Cuomo looks at his stapler, his mind laser-focused on collating and attaching documents for the residents of the great state of New York. Thanks, Vicky. That feels great. Uh, but I worry that it may be seen as inappropriate. Nonsense, Governor. You deserve relief from stress, and it's an absolute pleasure to apply pressure to your giant muscles. The only thing is, it's hard to get a grip on them through your shirt. Vicky unbuttons Governor Cuomo's shirt in a sexy way, but he's too busy signing legislation to notice. Soon, he's topless, and Vicky is massaging the living crap out of him. Vicky, oh, this feels great, but I'm worried that it wouldn't look good to the Attorney General of the great state of New York. Oh, her? She's bad news. In fact, I'm pretty sure she'd love to give you the boot. Anyway, I'm making my own decisions. It's a pleasure to rub you, Governor. It's a pleasure to be rubbed by you. Platonically, of course. I took a vow of celibacy years ago so that I could focus on helping the residents of the great state of New York. I was inspired by how priests take a vow of celibacy in order to focus on their faith. But I don't do any boy bum stuff. You know what I mean. Suddenly, Vicky straddles the governor and pushes his hands up her blouse. What are these things? They're yours, governor. Do with them what you will. But what about the residents of the great state of New York? You'll just have to decide who comes first. Oh, Vicky. Oh, love, Gov. Vicky and the governor kiss deeply until he stops. What's the matter, love, Gov? I appreciate that you're a homosexual, but I'm worried that this could be construed in the wrong light, like a powerful man taking advantage of a young, sexy woman who he hired for not sexy reasons. Kiss me. Plus, I just thought up more restrictive gun laws to really stick it out to all the hunters in the great state of New York. Hmm. Not great. I, I hope you're talking about the writing is not great and that my performance was fantastic. The performance was okay. You, you kind of, you know, you had a few moments where I think Brad might look poorly and look, look down upon them. He's signing legislation. He's writing legislation at midnight. You know, he's unstoppable. He's tireless or was anyway until he resigned. Yeah. Okay. Well, shoot. You know what? I, look, I don't need, I don't need the, the Helmuth name being, uh, associated with the Cuomo name. So you know what? Fine. I'm going to get the next one better off that I didn't get this one. All right. Well, this is a new one uh, Brad's working on. It's a sequel to Full Metal Jacket, Jack. Okay. It's called Full Metal Jacket 2. Sure. Which makes a ton of sense if you think about it. Yes. And And it's the second one of those movies. Yeah, exactly. Brad's directing it because Stanley Kubrick uh, passed over the rainbow bridge in 1999. <laughs> and uh, he was thinking you should play the son of gunnery Sergeant Hartman, who was famously played by uh, Arlie Ermey. If you remember very famous yeah. scene. Uh, yeah, so he, sure. he kind of gets that vibe from you, the Ermey vibe. 
And okay, uh, cool. so, and this is the opening scene of the movie. He'd just like you to read it and, uh, you know, give it as the professional uh, oomph that it needs to get you the role. Okay, you, you got it. All right, interior, Marine Barracks Day. Marine recruits stand at attention in front of their bunks. Master Gunnery Sergeant Hartman walks along the line of blank-faced recruits. I am Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, the second. Your second, your senior drill instructor. My dad died over there in the bathroom. From now on, you will speak only when spoken to, and the first and last words out of your filthy sewers will be, Sir! You will, maggots understand that. Sir, yes, sir. If you survive recruit training on Paris Island, which is, an, which is on occupied Indian land, you will be a weapon. You will be a minister of justice. Social justice. Do I make myself clear? Sir, yes, sir. What are your pronouns, Private? Sir, he, him, sir. Well, you look non-binary to me. Sir, yes, sir. Where do you fall in the sex spectrum, Private? Sir, there's no biological sex spectrum, sir. Sex is a binary. Why, you slimy little capitalist shit. Twinkle toes, cisgender son of a person with a cervix. <laughs> I will PT you until you die. Where are you on the sex spectrum? Sir, biological males produce small gametes and biological females produce large gametes for purposes of reproduction. It is a binary. You little scumbag. I've got your name. I've got your ass. You will forget the science you know and you will learn the new science. Or I will unscrew your head and shit down your neck. And then I will join a Twitter mob and say terrible things to you. Do you understand? Sir, yes, sir. Why did you join my beloved Marine Corps private? To serve my country, sir. To serve your country? And to be a veteran so that I can qualify for USAA, which offers great automobile insurance and articulate customer support. I see. And what kind of maggot wants to serve a country founded by a bunch of white European men with enlightenment va values? Sir, I thought we all did, sir. Well, you thought wrong. The president's executive order 2999-3 uh, repurposes this corps to fight the battle against whiteness and transphobia. Oh, wow. What's the motto of this corps, Private? Uh, sir, Semper Fi, always faithful. Nope, Executive Order 2099-8 changed it. Now it's do the work. Sir, yes, sir. And the globe and anchor has been replaced by Robin D'Angelo's face with an eagle on her head. Did you not notice that on your buttons? Sir, I had not, sir, but now I see her stringy hair and wild eyes. Do the work. Sir, I think I might want to drop out. Drop out? You want to drop out? You want to drop out of the core, Private? Sir, yes, sir. Okay, then. Sorry, sir? You can go if it doesn't feel inclusive. Oh, I can? Yes, but don't tell folks you quit. Tell them that you did it for your mental health. Yes, sir. That way, journalists will write articles saying how courageous you are for dropping out. Sir, yes, sir. I'm proud of you, Private. Yes, sir. You could drop the sir stuff. It sounds very patriarchal. Okay. And I'm sorry I yelled at you. That's very ableist of me. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a weird movie. Yeah, like I, I can see the, the Hollywood executives being like, hey, full metal jacket for the modern era. But it does not work. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a weird one. I don't know if people are going to like it, honestly. Man. Yeah. I, I, I really... I can't tell you how much I want to quit this podcast and become a movie actor. This is. Well, you have one I more chance. One. You got another chance. Uh, Brad's working on a film. It's about Cherokee code talkers, Jack. They were in World War II. Do you know about them? Yeah, they I do actually. Yeah. yeah. They spoke Cherokees because nobody else knew Cherokee, right? I mean, so mm -hmm. uh, th this is a film. It's called The Code Talker. Okay. 
I, he's thinking of you as the role of Johnsbury, Sergeant Louis Johnsbury, just one of okay. a soldier in World War II uh, in France. Okay, great. Uh, so let's just, without any further ado, let's just read this script. You got it? Great. I've never read this before. I'm excited. I just opened it. Okay. Let's, let's do it. Interior, commander's tent near Saint-Malo, France, daytime. Commander Bertrand, I'll be reading that, pours over some documents. Sergeant Louis Johnsbury, that'd be you, enters the tent. Permission to enter, sir. Granted. Johnsbury enters. You called me, Captain? I didn't call you Captain, Sergeant. Sorry. Uh, Captain, you called me? Yes, Sergeant. Can you keep a secret? Like the one about Lieutenant Williams wearing panties? Yes. Of course I can. Good. In order to outwit the Germans, we've been using Cherokee Indians to communicate. Even if the Germans intercept them, there's no way they'll understand what they're hearing because there are far too few Cherokees in the world. Excellent, sir. Excellent that there are far too few Cherokees in the world? No, that's kind of our bad. I, I meant it's an excellent idea to use them for code talking. Well, you can thank Lieutenant Simmons for it. Do you know him? Yeah, he's in the black guy division. Yeah, and that doesn't seem weird right now, but maybe it will in the future. Anyway, I need you to deliver a message to Sergeant Running Lamb. He's 200 kilometers south of here in a village called Falaise. Okay. Grab a pen and some paper. Yes, sir. Ready? Yes, sir. Bling, blang, blurb, fluk, fluk, vlobby, blang, blang. Bling, blang, blue, 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 Fluk, fluk, vlobby, blang, blang. Two, two, two blangs. Yes. Yes? Yes. No, I mean, is yes Cherokee too? No, I was confirming that there are two blangs. Roger that. Gork wazoo menudo hagunga wobble. Okay, okay. Hangunga wobble? Got it. Blue beep? Blue beep. No, that's not Cherokee. I'm asking if you want a glass of blue beep. It's a local drink. Oh, I, I'd love some blue beep. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ravi what? Are you mocking me, sir? No, that's Cherokee. Oh, sorry. Wankwuary watch. Got it. Blurp. Ding. Okay, I'll spell that as best I can. Blue beep. No, thank you. One glass is enough. No, no, that was Cherokee. Wow, this is so confusing. Achoo. Achoo, got it. Nope, that was a sneeze. Mm, okay, I'll cross that one out. Okay, I cross that one out. Is that mocking or Cherokee? Mocking. Roger that. Blue beep. I am kind of thirsty. Ah, sugar. God. Felt like you might have had it in the beginning and then the rails fell off the rails or whatever you call that expression. No, yeah, no, I think you nailed it. The, um, that is a profoundly bad, confusing script. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Brad, Brad's got to choose better projects. He'll, he, he loves to just, he loves to be busy. You know, he's, when he's home, uh, he's got two cats and a guinea pig and he just can't, he doesn't want to have to deal with that stuff. He'd much rather be out there working on film. So he, he says yes to everything. I, I get, because it, because he doesn't want to feed the guinea pig once a day. I guess so. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah, it's a bummer. Well, I'm, I'm sorry that, um, I'm sorry to say that I'll be back, I guess, next week uh, yeah. for another uh, episode of questionable material with Jack and the other guy. Yep. That'll be me. Review us and all that. Review us and all that. And, um, you know, tell your friends. I will. Not you. The, I, I, good point. The listener. Good point. Go. Good point. All right. I'm not. Good point. 
that was questionable material with Jack and Brian. Subscribe on any podcast platform. Watch our video clips on YouTube. Visit us at QMPodcast.com.